Hey everybody, welcome back to Broadway Babies. I'm Noelle Hannibal. And I'm Stephanie Anderson. We are here today with the wonderful Jenny Kwan. Welcome, Jenny. Hi, ladies. Thanks for having me this morning. Oh, thanks for being here. Jenny, just briefly tell us how you got into um, performing. What was the what was your impetus that made you think this is it for me? Well, it's Did you funny. have any particular moment? Or? Well, it's really funny because I started when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, as you're saying that, I remember when I, I don't know if it was third or fourth grade. Was it third or fourth grade? I can't even remember. But I was cast in this elementary school play. And I played a judge. And I was like, oh, I really like this. But then, as I was growing up, I was super, super shy. Um, So that was kind of, now that I remember back, probably one of my first introductions to just performing, right? But then when I was 11, I was in a kids group called Kids of the Century. And we performed around Los Angeles and around um, just the, the neighboring areas. And one year we got to go to New York for the commemoration of the Statue of Liberty, which proves how old I am. But anywho, so <laughs> we were coming back from New York on a plane. And basically the story goes, I was discovered on a plane. I was sleeping and all my other friends were clamoring around this agent and you know it looked like a movie like people were juggling you know people were doing acrobatics you know (laughs) chaos yeah basically but I was in my seat drooling on my shoulder and that is true (laughs) my my sister wakes me up and she's like Jennifer there's this agent on the plane and I was like "Mm, I don't care she's like go just go talk (laughs) so I I remember, again, like the juggling, the acrobatics, walking up to the agent's chair, and and she's like, hi. And I, again, I was so shy. I was like, hi. And she says, do you want to come home to L.A. and try acting? And I was like, oh. And she said, well, will you come to my office and take an interview? Mm-hmm. Well, will you go to an acting class, and if you like it, will you take an interview with me? I said, Okay. So I get into this acting class uh, in Studio City and, you know, basically we're just doing improv and space work. And that's when I fell in love with with acting and performing. And long story short, which is not so short, I almost simultaneously, as I was saying, started singing and, and acting at the same time. But what happened was I was performing. My mom saw this woman. She was a gospel singer, right? Here I am, 11 shy a mute and this older I mean she seemed old <laughs> gospel singer and, and my mom chased her down she's like where do you take singing lessons I want to get my daughter's singing lesson I'm never gonna sound like her I'm never gonna sound like Steph you know what I mean but anyway that's how I started singing because my mom hunted down this performer and um I got into singing lessons and that was basically the only time that's I an amazing story that is an amazing story so I want to <laughs> ask you about because I'm so intrigued and I don't know how I never saw this, but mm-hmm. I want to ask you about Little Shop. Because oh. I can't believe there was a TV show based on Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. animated, yes, yes. Um, that I, I don't 
recall ever hearing of. Right, right. Well, actually, it's it's so interesting. Speaking of, I can share later how it's it's three pieces of Kevin Bacon for me. But um, back in the day, when I one of my first jobs, that was one of my first jobs uh, as a professional actor, um, and actually. It is now owned by Saban Entertainment, right? Which yeah, was yes. So, which Saban Entertainment's stepfather, Heidi Noel, who was on Dreams before me, who I took the place of. It's so crazy. Anyway, I, I oh, didn't. Weird. Yeah, very weird. Anywho, um, so when I was when I first started out, I didn't really know about voiceover, but that actually was my first voiceover job, one of my first gigs. So basically, I I auditioned for it. They had already voiced the speaking character, but they needed someone to come in and, and voice the singing and match the speaking character's voice. Okay. So, yeah. So it was loosely based on, on Little Shop, very loosely. And the animation was interesting. It kind of reminds me of kind of like a 60-esque kind of mod look. Um, but yeah, so I really just auditioned for it. And I remember the guy's name was Kevin, um, who I who I auditioned for. Really nice guy. So I did that for a few seasons, and then it's it's really funny when I ended up going on tour with Saigon. They called me and they said, Kevin called my manager and said, "Hey, um, can Jenny do karate?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, she can't really do karate." He's like, "It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're, we're we want to cast her in this new show that we're doing." And I had just, you know, I basically started the tour. So we're like, oh, we're so sorry. We can't. I could have been the yellow Power Ranger. And people no way. Said, oh, wow. Oh, people will come up and they'll be like, hey, are you? And I don't usually say. And, and then they're like, are you the yellow Power Ranger? Oh, deflated. Oh, no. <laughs> it's all good. Jeez. It's all good. I'm like, it's all good, though. Yeah supposed to be but it's all right it's all good wow. but, I don't Listen, know but okay the best part about that is though why you couldn't do it which is the tour which is the miss saigon tour that was the first tour right the first one correct first national tour so tell us a little bit about the tour that was the first was that your first may other first show first foray into pretty much so Right, so pretty much, yeah, like Noel was asking, I did Little Shop and then I did a stint on uh, 90210. And I'm trying to think if there was anything else, but that was my first major, major gig. And um, what happened was, it was so interesting, one of my childhood friends had called me. She's like, hey, Jen, have you heard this musical? I'm like, what is this? And it was Miss Saigon. I was like, oh my gosh, how gorgeous is this music? So, Within the same time, I want to say, probably a couple months later, I got an audition for it. And I will tell you, that was like a typical casting call. I think there probably were 200 to 300 people there. I still get shy, but I was super shy growing up. And I just basically... It's funny, I, I used to just be a mute until I would perform. Then that's when I'd open my mouth and then I would just shut up after that. So I remember my manager just kind of like going around and scoping out the scene. And I, I have 
it's so much better now. It is better now, uh, but I've had stage fright, you know, for most of my life. Um, so I go and I'm just like trying to work my nerves, you know, and just get in there and do my thing and, and go. So unfortunately I probably must have blacked out, you know, <laughs> when I had my audition, but the next thing, you know, they call and they want me to fly to New York for this audition. So it was a pretty fast turner and I go to New York. My dad had gone with me and I remember we get to the theater and it's just like you see in movies. So I get there, but this is the funny part. I don't know if people would believe me, but I'm backstage and again, just so nervous, just so nervous. And there's, you know, I, someone had come out of the room. Then there's this really good looking guy. He was in Les Mis, really good looking. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and, and I see Nia Peoples for those people in the 80s. Oh Nia my Peoples. God. Yeah. And Nia Peoples from fame. Right. Goes in before me. And I just, I'm like, that's it. Why am I here? Why am I here? Nia Peoples is performing. They want a Nia Peoples, you know, like, mm. what am I doing here? You know? So she goes in and I can kind of hear, you know, and I'm just like not trying yeah. to leave the, the theater, you know, because I'm just like, there's just no way. What? This is so stupid. You know, I'm just, this is really what's going through my mind and trying not to just vomit, you know? So <laughs> she comes out and she, you know, I was just like, oh, there's Nia Peoples from fame, you know? And I'm like, hey, go do your thing. So I go in and it, I'm on the stage and it's bright lights and you can't see anybody, you know, just like shining on you. And I'm like, hello, <laughs> you know, just this, this little girl, you know? And, uh, they, I think they, I, I think they had had me just kind of sing through some songs and then they bring out the good looking guy. And I was like, Oh, Oh, oh God. And he was auditioning for Chris. And I was like, Oh, and I'm looking at him on my wall right now. And so <laughs> he was, he was amazing. Oh gosh. Woo. Jared. So, uh, anyway, so, they want us to sing together. That through our whole duet, I'm just bawling. The bawling kind that is not the good bawling kind because can you even understand me? You know, like I was gotcha. like, no, no. So <laughs> then we stop and, and uh, they're like, thank you, Jared, you know. And so, um, was it Claude Michel comes up out of the lights and he introduces himself to me and I like wiping my face of my tears on my cheeks. And so he was like, nice to meet you. Uh, Jenny, can you sing scales? So I had to do some scales, right? And then pretty much that was it. And so I was like, oh man, that was crazy. I just basically cried through the whole, you know, audition. That's nice. So that, <laughs> that so I go back to my hotel room. And rest in peace, Vinnie Liff, who was a casting person for Saigon, calls my hotel room and basically is like, hi, Jenny. We just want to say that, that um, your cast is Kim. And I was like, okay, thanks. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I think I was just in shock. 
So my manager was like, Jenny, 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 call back. And she's like, oh, she's, excited. No, she's excited. She's just in shock. She's in shock. So I call him back. He's like, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, okay. And I, you know, I was just kind of like, yeah, I think I was just in shock, like, yep. literally overwhelmed because I just didn't understand what was happening. So then later that, I think it was later that evening, I went to go see the show. They had bought me and my dad a ticket to go see the show. And um, we watched the show and then we flew home and it was, wow. Yeah. That was my audition process for that. It was, it was a great experience. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Because from the time of, I want to say it was probably two weeks between my first audition and then my audition in New York. So I think they were really looking to cast fairly quickly. Quickly. Yeah. To get it up. Yeah. Touring and all of that. How long were you on tour? I want to say I was, about nine months. I'm probably one of the shorter lived Kims and story behind that goes is, I mean, and I loved, I really, it you know, I was really young. It was the first time that I had lived away from home by myself, so on and so forth, but it was, it was, I loved it and a lot of pressure as well. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people really realize that. I w- I've always been a a pretty responsible person, even as a kid, but man, having to take on, I just really, it was a lot that I, it just happened yeah. you know, kept going. And I can share the story of my opening night if you guys want, but it's, <laughs> I think I, I think I've lived through the trauma of it, but the reason why- <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no we love, we see, that's what we love is we love, um, we love stories and anecdotes that aren't things that you can just find by googling wikipedia so oh i I will i will share that because i think it's important to know but um the reason why i left so quickly was before i i booked saigon i auditioned for a tv show called california dreams and that whole process was interesting i could share that if you guys would like but basically i had i had auditioned for that show prior to saigon i booked saigon and literally as my contract for my first my first run with Saigon was coming up. Literally the producer, Peter Engel of Say By the Bell, California Dreams called. And again, I'm like, this is weird. What the this hey? Is- <laughs> yeah, what the, what the fire? You know, so I go, <laughs> he calls in and he, he's like, hi, Jenny. That's how he talks. Jenny, this is Peter Engel. <laughs> you remember me? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, well, I just want to say, you know, like you, you, we loved you at your audition and this and that, and someone's leaving the show. Do you want to come home and do a TV show? And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> you know, again. Hang up. <laughs> okay. okay. Okay, sure. He says, we'll work out the details. We've already been talking with your manager. We'll, we'll work it out. So, and that's why I had come home, you know, so, so, um, so I'd finished a contract and then, which I think, you know, the producers of the show thought I was calling a bluff, which it was like, no, it's true. It's true. You know? So yeah. 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 But anywho. Yeah. So the audition prior to Saigon for California dreams was a different situation. And for those of you who might not know what California dreams is, it's a TV show. It is not a spinoff, but it's by the same producers of Peter Engel who created Say by the bell. So Peter Engel wanted to create another show, a sister show, same premise, same format, half hour, you know, teen show. The difference is our show had music. And mm-hmm. like I was saying earlier, the, the 
person who wanted to leave Heidi, she she actually is Heim Saban's stepdaughter, which he hired me for my first job on Little Shop. So that is the, the six degrees of separation. You know, Heidi, she's amazing. You know, she right. just, she decided that she wanted to take a different path. So I came in literally. So basically my audition process for that before I booked the show, just it did, it seemed out of the blue, which it wasn't for that. Basically I probably had nine auditions. I orig originally auditioned for the character of, of Tiffany, which was the typical California beach girl. Hello, which I am, you know, but it's really interesting. It, was who it came down to at network, which network means you go in front of the network executives mm -hmm. and you basically do a script test. So as myself, it was one of my best friends, Kelly Packard, who actually booked the role of Tiffany. And then one of my other best friends, Elisa Wiener, who we were in a band called Nobody's Angel. All three different. Kelly Blonde, you know, typical, she was on Baywatch. That should tell you, you know, mm -hmm. Asian, you know, but Valley Girl. And then Elisa, who, gorgeous you know she's latina and jewish and she grew up in hacienda heights and so you know it was like really interesting so basically i probably had about five six auditions for for the um acting part of it and then we actually had to go into the studio so that was fun and we recorded with a man by the name of steve tyrell who is a famous jazz singer, but at the time mm -hmm. he was doing more producing. So he would produce songs for 90 shows. Like his big famous hit song too is, how do you talk to an angel? Oh. Oh. <laughs> how do you, yeah. So, I love that song. <laughs> yeah. um, and then a bunch of California Dreams songs, right? And uh, California Dreams was signed to a record label at the time called MCA. So that was yeah. like the whole thing around that. So yeah, so long story short, when Peter Engel called me at the end of my run for my first contract at, on Saigon, and I said, okay, I'm coming home. Literally when my contract was up, you know, pack my bags, so on and so forth. I come home. I think it was a Sunday. I slept on Sunday. Monday, I'm in the studio for seven days straight to record some of our dreams, which was hairball at the time because, you know, it, there, was no, there was no gestation period for me to come home and kind of assimilate. No, you're in the studio. You're in the studio, B, is what I want to say. And it was at the time <laughs> where, where, you know, we didn't have auto-tune, so we right. would have really sing our vocals. Do it again. Yeah. So if you can imagine seven days straight for 12 hours in the studio, I was like, so sometimes when I listen back to those songs or, or on YouTube, I'm like, yeah, man, I could have done it differently, but you know, it was intense. So wow. that's that. Yeah. And you guys ask about my opening night or maybe you didn't, but what I, what I was going to share did. about. <laughs> oh, you did? I did. did. Yes, we did. Yeah. So when we were in rehearsals, it was just such a beautiful process. It was just such a beautiful process. And I never wanted to leave rehearsal. You know, the, the way that they guided us through the rehearsal process, they made us do a lot of research on top of learning all the singing, on top of learning the beats, you know, for the acting beats and so on and so forth. But they also had us do a lot of research. And through that research, when we would do that, then we would go into the scenes. And 
color the scenes. And because a lot of us were so young, mm-hmm. we, you know, we learn about this in our history books, but you don't really get the, the depth of really what was happening for these young people yeah, or people, you know, on the other side who were experiencing it from a different point of view. So I'm really grateful for that aspect too. Um, but yeah, so, and we were rehearsing in this beautiful library that it was just, you know, it was a time of my life. It was the first time I'd been out on my own, you know, um, holding together this crazy show. You know, I know I, it wasn't just on me, but you know, when you're the, when you're Miss Saigon, it, it, it kind of, yes. I didn't realize that, that at the time. So that's mm-hmm. probably until. Again, so I'm telling you, I love rehearsals. I literally never wanted to go home because I just would, I would rehearse 23 hours a day if I could. You know, I loved it so much. And just seeing the process of how they still were kind of creating the different costumes because they would change or they would change lyrics because they they would just adjust things to see what would be a better improvement for things. Uh, So probably about... I don't know, maybe a week and a half before opening. My co-star gets sick. Therefore, I get sick. To this day, I, that was probably one of the top three sicknesses that were the worst sicknesses I've ever had in my life. Holy cow. Basically, I never called out, never called out. And on opening night, the night, no, the day before opening night, we're at rehearsal. And I remember my director telling me, he's like, Jenny, you just, you just got to pull through and, and you know, you baby yourself. And I'm thinking, how am I babying myself? I never wanted to go home. Mm -hmm. I like, I was there hardcore. Like if, again, if I could have been there 23 hours a day, I would not go home. So I was so sick. I think I had like a hundred and and for fever, something crazy like that. I had laryngitis. I had the, oh, like I just, one of the worst, it probably was a sinus infection or the flu or something. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know to go to an ENT at the time. I, why mm. didn't company manager? Why anybody say it? Right. Well, they didn't, you know, like, and again, they knew, like a lot of us were so young. They knew for me, like I was just, I was like literally a baby, you know, as mature as I was at the time, I still didn't know those things that could be done, you know? So didn't go to the doctor. I just, I think I got Tylenol. I think the day of opening night, I think our company manager called him for a prescription for me. So that's fine. Okay. Here I go. And couldn't hear a thing. I'm sure it was just not that great. I don't, I don't even know. I, I, again, I probably blocked things out. So then at intermission, my friend tells me that he comes to knock on my door and I'm on my station on my dressing table, just with my head down. And I have like a hard boiled egg in my hand and I'm just kind of eating it. And afterwards, you know, we go to the opening night party. <laughs> it was at this place called Navy Pier. So it's super fancy and it was super cold um, because it was fall. And so, you know, I remember just going and having to do the press and all that kind of thing. And 
people would be really nice, but then I think behind my back, they'd be like, she just screamed the whole time. Little did they know. I was so sick. Nobody knew. I just took it, you know? So it was really pretty, it was pretty harsh. It was a harsh experience, but it made, it taught me a lot. You know, um, I got reamed in my reviews, you know, and that was a hard pill to swallow because mm. no, the, uh, I think a week later USA Today came and they gave me a really beautiful review. Well, you know, you shouldn't read that stuff anyway if you're super sensitive to it, to each his own, but I probably did right. my first time, you know, and mm -hmm. but they gave me a really beautiful, you know, um, compliment. And it's hard though, you know, like when you hear that stuff and you're young and it's your yeah. first, that really, really sticks with you. And, but things that I've learned, take care of yourself first because nobody's going to do it for you. Yep. Two, I learned two weeks um, before opening night, Jonathan Price got super sick and called out two weeks, like the whole time, because he was so sick. Had I known wow. to, I would have done the same on done the same thing. That's right. I would have known that, you know, to take care of myself better. Mm -hmm. uh, three, don't read those reviews, but, you know, it's... <laughs> right. You're 18 and you want to know, of you know. Of course, of course. <laughs> You know, so through the years, people have different ways. Some people do, some people don't, but that's okay. You know, it, it's not up to everybody. You know, like I want, I wanted to feel good about what I, and I think eventually I did, but woo, that was a super hard pill to swallow. Mm. You know, wow. yeah, it was tough. But right. I mean, it, it just, it's still like, despite the opening night and despite those reviews, it sounds like an absolutely beautiful experience for you. It was. I learned so much and it was, it was, it, it's so weird. One of your dreams come true at such a young age that it, at the time I loved it and I soaked it in, but looking back, it's a different perspective of like, mm -hmm. wow, do you realize? Look what you did, right? Now that I'm older, you know, and at the time, again, it, that was when, Broadway was booming. They, they could put out these, and I will say so, the, the theater that we were in, gorgeous, you know, like it, we weren't cramped. So I think that we had probably one of the bigger real helicopters, which was super impressive. It was so cool to see. Uh, and yeah, just the caliber of, of the show. So you and Stephanie were in Bear together. Um, yes. I'm sure Stephanie knows all of these stories, but I don't. So I would like to know about your experience uh, auditioning, being cast in, and then doing your run of the show. Yeah, sure. So I, I don't know if it was my manager who saw the breakdown for the show or if it was me, but I went into the audition and I remember it was over at the Hudson and that huh. was, <laughs> that was really a, a fun experience too. Um, went in and I remember, I don't know if it was Eric or if it was Damon, but I think they had known me or something. And I was like, Oh, thank you. You know, and they basically, on this, so I went in, I think I, I, I auditioned for Ivy, the, the main role. And they're like, Jenny, we're just going to tell you straight up, you know, we don't know where we can fit you in the show. Mm -hmm. 
but we want to have you. So he's like, okay, you know. Um, so basically, and I, I, I want to say they said this on the spot. Basically, they created a role. Diane. To this day, her name is Diane Lee. Basically, they created the Diane Lee character so I could do the show. Because they were, oh, awesome. they were like, you, you can sing the Ivy stuff, and we actually would love you to come in and cover Ivy, but we're going to create a role for you because they had someone in mind already for Ivy. So they basically created this role. I think the, the script had already been written, I want to say. I'm not positive. But they added this role so I could come in and join in. That's so that, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I'd, ha I'd have to talk to Eric about that. I saw him a, a couple weeks or maybe a couple months ago now. I don't even know what day it is. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd have, but I remember that they were, they told me that because they were like, we really want you in the show. We're, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. We'll, and I think Damon's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll create something, you know? And so. Uh, what a gift. <laughs> what, an, what a, what a gift. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty. Yeah. So. And again, that process too, we were all so young, you know, as I smoke my cigarette. We were <laughs> you all, were all so young. You were young too. <laughs> you guys. You. Huh? Well, I was older than everybody too. I was in that realm where I was still a little bit older than everybody. And, and in Sue antics, you know, I look back now, I'm like, oh my gosh, how perfect were all these antics, you know, like just drama. Yes. You can't escape drama. Like I look back now and I feel like I've had such a, a full 360, you know, like uh, catharsis with the show because I love the right. show. It's my sweetest, most, you know, when you create something from the ground up, what I remember the most is how impressed I was with John, Kristen, Damon. Oh, you know? yeah. That's all. Like, that whole I just, crew. That whole crew. Debbie. Debbie, gosh. You know, about that. And, and every night backstage, you know, listening to the music and, oh, the tidbit of this, uh, how I revealed that I have stage fright. So bad. Whoever was on my side to enter in the beginning of the show, <laughs> and anybody who's performed with me knows this. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you guys, don't stand in back of me. Don't stand don't in back. Don't stand behind her. <laughs> don't stand in back of me. <laughs> I don't have abs of steel. I have nerves of poo. Don't stand in back of me. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I'm Jenny was my first friend on the show because I came later than everybody else. I think me and Joe were the last two to be yeah. cast. They were still trying to find a Chantel and they couldn't find one. Yes. And I was the probably one of the last people to be cast between me and Joe. I can't remember which one of us was, but we were two of the last people. And I just kind of sat down somewhere. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to sit here and watch. And I turn, and there's this little face. She's so cute. I love her. She just turns to me. She says, hi. And I was like, hi. One of those people that you don't know. You was you. Oh. <laughs> She's like, who's that? Who's you? So we chatted a little bit. And, and it didn't dawn on me till like maybe 11 o'clock that night. I was like, oh, that's the girl from 
California Dreams. That's who that was. <laughs> it dawned on me later on, Jen. <laughs> totally later uh, on. But she was so sweet. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit. We were trying to get rehearsals done. But, yeah, she was not my first uh, first friend in the production. Aw, I love that. She's a sweetie poo. <laughs> we love stuff. Did you have a moment where you thought, oh, this is going to be big? Well, for me, I think just, again, it's interesting. I always, it, I always think about my rehearsal process with things. Mm -hmm. And I think just hearing the music and the subject matter at the time, because at the time we had Rent, right? They had right. come. But this was a little different than Rent. Um, I want to say that it was more specific to... How do I say this? I want to say that it was really specific to the heart and in really going into just the characters' lives, right? And yes. so what I by that is when I would hear the songs and then the subject matter and knowing just what was going on at the current events at the time, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this, this stuff is going. <laughs> like... I just, I just felt it, you know, yeah. the reading, just hearing the music day in, day out and the comp just only based on the composition of, of the arrangements and the yeah. lyrics, like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Like just still to this day, listening to the music. Oh, wow. Mm. You know, and it changed a lot, but I think that's when I was like, this is, this is really special. This is really special. My students, I can't tell you over the last however many years, 10 years or whatever, how many of my students talk about Bear and flip out when I tell them that Stephanie is my friend. And, and, then, when we were, and then when we were starting the podcast, like freak out over I that, that. You know, so, um, so it's, it's, it's really fun for me to have you on for a number of reasons. It's fun for me to have you on because of Kids of the Century, because of Miss Saigon, because I'm a huge Miss Saigon fan. But I just love that we're able to do this with the two of you together because I, I can't I just can't wait to share it with my students and say, Okay, if you never listen to any episodes of my podcast, listen to the one. this one. Because it's so important to them. So uh, partic particularly the younger men, you know, it's, it's. That's what I'm, right. That's what I'm saying. I think Bear really dug in deep to the yes. internal struggles what yeah. young people go through. And yes. that's why, as Stephanie was saying, you would hear open sobbing because at the time we were still going through that and people still go through that today with whatever yeah. they're saying you know, gay, straight, gender fluid, what have you. It's, it's, it, it continues to happen. It might yeah. be different. Mm -hmm. it, we're always going to have something that we're going to have to be fighting for, fighting, you right. know, to open up the doors. Right. I must say, you know, I think the kids get probably so excited when they hear about Stephanie is because Stephanie, again, OG, and uh, the, the part of, of Sister Chantel is basically the heart you know what i mean like it, it kind of gets me emotional because these kids are just wanting to feel like they have a place to be themselves and not mm -hmm. 
ugh, and and not feel abandoned or right. have someone who's on their side. And it's scary to feel so alone, especially at a young age when you don't know how to express that and right. you don't want to be alienated, you know, for who you are, for your beliefs. Even as an adult now, you know, we're finding that more and more, you know, in yeah. day and age. Yeah. It is, it's just different. It's the same and different because of our technology, obviously. Right. right, of course, yeah. yeah. So, she's, so she's like the heart of, of, of the show too, which is... I've had so many people approach me um, specifically after the first run that I did. And they said, after I saw the show, I went home and I called my mom or I called my dad or I went to talk to them. And I'm like yeah. <laughs> sobbing um, yeah. about how they came out to their parents or they came out to a sister or their best friend or I mean those are the I going through the process of the show I that's not something that I thought would happen I mean that wasn't in my mind at all but that is one of those sweet bonuses to me is that if we we were able to in some way help people to say, you know, I, I, to have the courage to say, I, you know, this is my authentic self. This is who I am. You know? I, I hope one of my purposes to why I'm still performing or why I perform or why I act or why I sing or why I choose to still be an artist after all this time is, <laughs> Uh, I, I hope to have some sort of impact on the world or people. You know, honestly, today, too, it's okay if the impact is negative or positive. I'd like it to be positive, but at least it's having an impact on someone to where hopefully it, give, it makes them feel something or change something or or hopefully does something better for themselves and thus, you know, for our world, you know, as I get very deep and spiritual, but (laughs) and so hearing that from Stephanie, yeah, of course that makes sense. And of course, like it, oh, it just really, really touches me, you know? And I think that show, thank God at the time was there so people could feel comfortable enough to do what she was saying because maybe they don't have that in their lives you know i i i'm so surprised and this kind of has been happening more recently again it's it's interesting when i look back but you know i've had people tell me that for example with california dreams that they used to watch the show and kind of oh gosh so emotional but that it helped them get through some hard times and I was like what you know like yeah that show yes. you know, just we were having fun and this and that but there were some times that we dug into deeper topics mm-hmm. but that's what it was about it was just that it really helped someone at the time maybe they were like I got it on my Instagram a, a few weeks ago my grandfather passed and this really helped me got, got me through and I was like oh my gosh you know, and, you know, I've had people tell me that before and to look back and see that it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I have a, my teacher who 
I've gone to for many years, you know, um, I don't know if you guys have heard this phrase, but artists reveal what people conceal. So oh, I've never heard that, but that's perfect. Artists, artists reveal that's what point. conceal. Wow. So regular life, not everybody is, I mean, not only artists, but regular people, quote unquote, maybe sometimes don't have the tools or the skills to be able to communicate things that they really want or need. And so I think that's, that's the thing with art, any sort of art, visual, you know, or non-visual or whatever that may be, it helps people feel. And so I think that that's what we're all saying is that, yeah, there is that part that I'm sure for any artist, you know, has that vein part of us, you know, but if you really are doing it for to help people have a feeling or have whatever, then it just, it makes it that much better. It makes it, it I just think that if we're all taking care of ourselves, <laughs> again, here we go in the deep spiritual sense, but if we're taking care of our hearts and our souls, it's going to reverberate. Mm you know, through the world. And so, Absolutely. Yeah, and I have been seeing lately how people are like, artists are so important. Well, it's true, you know, because throughout history, when you've been shut down or you've been, you know, told you're not supposed to do anything, the artist can reflect what's happening in the society at the current moment, you know, to have some outlet, you know, to educate something, to bring lightness, to bring levity, to connect to grieve to reveal what people are afraid deathly afraid to conceal i mm -hmm. think it's just yeah it's it's so well needed mm -hmm. and yeah and i every time i've tried to leave the business something's like oh no oh no you don't <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't think so we never know the projects that we do how they can touch and change lives yeah. and Bear was one of them, but I'm going to tell you now, Avatar is Avatar The Last Airbender, let me just make sure I say the entire for, the entire title correctly, is another one. I, um, the last show that I just worked on, there was a young man in the show, and I, and he's, he's so, he is so chill, I can't even explain it, but he was always, whatever the issue was, if there was like something big going on or whatever, he was always just so low key and smiled all the time. Like he was just really chill. And I was like, okay, young man. I mean, he's really young, like early twenties. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so what is it about you? I said, there's something about you. So what is it? Why are you, what is this about you? And he said, you know, when I was a kid, I used to watch the show called Avatar, The Last Airbender. And I was like, wait a minute, what? And he said, yeah, <laughs> he goes, back then he said he was always, he always had kind of like an angry thing about them. If something, if something really made him angry, he would really just go off. And if you knew this young man now, you would. I would have never guessed that because he is so, so chill. And he said, yeah, I started watching. And when I watched Avatar, I learned how to meditate. Because wow, different... chill. Thank you. See? Wow. Tell us a little bit about the process of, of that show, just so everybody knows. Um, Jenny was the voice of Suki on the show. Yes. Um, uh, Warrior. 
Yes, I was a Kiyoshi warrior. And the, the thing that's interesting about that was that audition did come through my agent, right? So I auditioned for it. And when I did the show originally, it was just a one-time guest star spot. So that was awesome. It was great, right? And I guess from what I understand is the fans gave so much feedback they wanted her to come back. And that's why I ended up coming back. I mean, I don't know if it was because of, I think they just like the character, really. But they... they oh, no, kept, there's fan feedback on that. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. They, <laughs> they liked her character. It's huge. Uh, they liked her character. <laughs> <laughs> they brought her back. And I honestly, at the time, again, because I didn't know that's why I kept coming back, I thought she was already written into the script because, you know, they do it in chapters. But... Right. Literally, I kept coming back on the show to the point, and then I was on tour again. I was doing Avenue Q, and so when I was on tour, I'd, when my character would come on, I'd have to go to a recording studio wherever I was. So mm-hmm. I, I want to say one time I had to go record in Michigan. I, I don't even know how they found a studio, but the Nickelodeon found a place for me to record. By the end of the series, it was kind of like I was a reoccurring character because I yep. was I was – on so many episodes and I right. was the, in the last, like, I want to say like four or five episodes, eight episodes toward the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was just a really wonderful process. And my, my story about this where I was like, so naive the last day of the show, the last episode when we were all recording, we're at Nickelodeon, I believe, and there were like 10 of us in the studio. And so all the characters, you know, like Zuko, um, all the characters. And there was someone in this far corner booth. You couldn't see him because the way that the studio was set up, there just wasn't enough room. So he had his own, it looked like an isolation booth and he was the fire lord. And like, you would just hear this voice or what have you. And it was so fun. Usually in VO, you don't always get the chance to record with everybody. So when you do, it's so fun. Everyone's like, we love this, you know. And <laughs> a lot of the time you're in a booth by yourself with the engineer, you know, doing everything. And so, again, all, all the characters in the episode, at the end, an episode, and, and awesome. You hear this voice, booming voice that comes out of the booth. You don't know where they are. So anyway... They had like a little rap party sort of thing after the show on the lot and people are just kind of mingling, you know, the creators are there and talking to this man and he, and I said, what character did you play? He's like, oh, I was the fire lord. I'm like, oh, so you were in the booth, da, 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 da. So I leave and as someone's, he's like, I hear, you know, someone just talking about Mark, Mark. Then I realized, I'm like, wow. You are so naive. That was Mark Hamill. Who <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm like, oh, 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 oh no. Oh. And mind you, like, that's cool, you know, but mind you, when I did Avenue Q Vegas, when they tried to bring Broadway to Vegas, Mark Hamill right. came 
because he's friends with Bobby Lopez. He came to like the opening night, but I didn't talk to him then. But everyone's like, did you see Mark Hamill? Did you see? I'm like, no, I don't know. Like, there's so many people here. But, <laughs> but then no? at this, at this, at this little rap thing on the lot, like, yeah, I just, I didn't recognize him. I don't oh, know. Jen. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Star Wars fans, but it was just like, we're just, we're, we're working the same thing. You know, I don't know. Right. Like, am I supposed to? So yeah, that's my little story about that. That's hilarious. <laughs> so tell us a right, little so, bit about, yeah. yeah, your experience on the, on tour with Avenue Q. Uh, uh, I love Avenue Q. It was, uh, I really didn't understand what that show was when I auditioned for it. I was like, uh, what is I, it, right. I'd heard about it. Um, I actually, before I think I auditioned for it, they had me watch the show and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like Sesame Street for adults. But that show too. I mean, one of my milestone life, gosh, um, what a great show. What a great show. I, again, I was doing uh, a lot at Disney when I got the audition. And someone was leaving the Vegas, the Vegas, they were leaving the Vegas tour to go back to New York. And so they called me and they're like, Jenny, come and audition for this. Literally again. So that happened so super quickly. I did, I came in and I covered in Avenue Q for Vegas. That was double cast because they wanted to do two shows a night. Okay. And so, again, and that was, they were trying to do this whole thing where it was like the new frontier, bringing Broadway to Vegas, right? So they had Avenue Q and then they actually brought Spanglot. They were trying to figure out a way that it would work in Vegas. I mean, we can go into the logistics around Vegas, but... Vegas is very mm -hmm. interesting. It's not, people aren't used to going to the theater. Maybe it's the first time they've been there. You know, maybe they're super drunk. Maybe they're, you know, like, so. <laughs> Avenue nice. Q, for Avenue Q, which is, it's kind of broad, but, you know, like there are some things that you might miss if you're not paying attention because the jokes are fast, they're clever, they're, right. they're smart, clever, smart, intelligent, mm -hmm. you know, writing. Um, so that was an interesting thing to, to be in Vegas. So that actually ended probably almost a year into the run just because we were at the Wynn, which was a swanky hotel, which was mm. gorgeous. But they decided we're just going to have spam a lot. So yeah, so that ended. But then about what, maybe eight months later, they called me and they said, Jenny, we're doing the tour. We want you to be on the tour. So Awesome. So moved to New York to my girlfriend's place for rehearsals. And um, then we went out on the tour. And I mean, God, again, one of the best times of my life. I, some of my best friends, you know, I made on that tour, almost died on that tour. I'll give you the short synopsis. I contracted bacterial meningitis. I had, oh first my gosh. Yeah, it, it was so crazy on the second half of the leg of the tour, and I decided to come home, and wow. thank God I home, or else maybe I wouldn't have been speaking to you, yeah, um, but I was, it was, it was intense, so um, February 25th is what I call my live day, that I got admitted to the hospital and was there, I begged them to go home, and when I woke up, um, like, I guess I was out for maybe a day and a half, but uh 
the doctor who was a friend of one of my best friends who they're doctors together, but I was like, I gotta get back to work. I gotta get back to work. And he basically was like, Jenny, do you know that you almost bleeping, died? He's like a 12 year old girl died last Wednesday before we admitted you from the bacterial meningitis. So I was like, I don't care. I gotta get back on the door. <laughs> I don't care, they brought me up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyway, so I, I've, I've learned how to quarantine for a month because I begged them to go home. They let me go home if I didn't leave the house. So needless to say, I hate being quarantined. <laughs> Let's just keep it. <laughs> Let's just but, say that, right. So, but the tour, you know, before that, I mean, again, the, the, the point of the tour, amazing, you know, message. And I learned how to puppeteer. Um, I, le- I mean, I learned how to become a puppeteer and that was incredible. And I love the music, you know, I mm-hmm, covered, mm-hmm. I covered one of my best friends. I'm like, I was her cover. And then I learned how to, um, you know, do work with puppets and the, the different kinds. And so then I was what was called the second hander, right? So if people are familiar with the show, uh, there's a character called Trekkie Monster that requires two people to operate the right. puppet. And mm-hmm. so I learned how to do that. And I was one of the bad news bears, you know, or the bad idea bears. And it was just that show. Yeah. Oh, we just, fun. Yeah. It was, again, hearing that music every night and people, same thing, you know, would come up to us or different characters and just say, we really, really love the show and it's really helped us, you know, have a new perspective or even, you know, like some of my friends too, you know, cause they didn't really know what it was about, but basically it's about this young guy trying to find his way in life of the coming, 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 coming story of a young guy, you know, trying to find his place in the world and it's messy, you know, life gets messy for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it's just funny, clever, but yet still really touching and moving. Our guest today has been Jenny Kwan. Thank you so much for joining us, Jenny. Thanks, ladies. Oh, I'm Noelle Hi. Hannibal. And I'm Stephanie Anderson. We'll see you next see you time. Soon. Bye. Bye.